So today we are in part five of our sermon series, and today Charles is going to be sharing with us how we can move towards Jesus in our life. So let's welcome Charles. Thank you, Sarah. Welcome, everyone. Happy Labor Day. Well, it's good to see you here, right? It's great. Uh, I'm sure like a lot of people are out, but you know what? This is the best place you can be, so congratulations. Yeah. Well, anyway, last time I preached, it's pretty good, right? Well, anyway, I talked about how connecting with God can bring life. Uh, anybody remember that two weeks ago? It's a good one. Come on. You know? <laughs> So I talked about how I have problems, you know. I I talked about my tendency towards anxiety and how easy it is to bring tomorrow's worries into today and just suffer about things that even hasn't happened yet, you know, and how life can get so unpleasant. But when I turn to God, God breaks in. He breaks that cycle. When I hear His voice, There's a remarkable change in the trajectory of my experience of life. Now, when I say I hear God's voice, I don't want to come across like some cultish guru or some crazy person that's going to like lead you down the bad path, right? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not, I don't hear God's voice like some outside voice that thunders like, this is God. Listen to me, you know. I'm not hearing God's voice like this is for sure, God's voice, you got to do this. No, when I hear God's voice, it's like a thought that drops into my head. So I cannot be sure it is God. I wouldn't try to like lead anyone because I can't ever be sure. But I say it is God's voice because it's not like the usual thoughts rattling around my head. You know what I'm talking about? You guys all familiar with your own voice that rattles around your head? There's a pattern to it. There's a tone to it. There's like a usual kind of stuff that comes up. But when this voice speaks, it's radically different. It's completely different than stuff that I would say to myself. It's coming from somewhere else and it has a remarkable impact. It changes the entire trajectory that I'm in. I'm very good at like running down all the implications and ramifications of choices and life and what could happen. I was trained for it, you know. I was talking with John who was trained in the same kind of program and we're very well honed in kind of going down the rabbit hole of what can go wrong and what is all wrong with life. And you can just sit in there and be very miserable. But when I hear this voice, it changes the trajectory towards hope, towards life, towards what is right. And I feel lighter. I feel a sense of connection with God and life. I feel better. And it's just much better way of life. So, so trying to hear this voice, it's like, uh, it's like prescription drug, you know? I mean, if you could like get a pill, like Prozac or something, and just change how you feel about life, 
That would be good, right? The only problem is the pills have side effects, you know. It could like really destroy your life, right? So you don't really want to do that, except hearing God's voice actually has incredibly positive side effects. And so it's like good in every way. So this hearing God's voice has become a vital part of my life, my faith. Because that is exactly what the Bible says, how salvation is supposed to work. That's what the Bible says, that this is how connecting with God is supposed to bring salvation into your life. That is what is meant by salvation, by faith alone, through God's grace. So it's it's about what God does rather than what we do. That salvation isn't about trying to be good with our own effort. It's not about trying to obey God's laws. That's old covenant. That salvation by works. In Christian faith, in Christian faith, everything to do with God shifted with Jesus and the cross, and that's why we call this new covenant. (laughs) Something changed from old to new fundamentally. Very different. And that difference is captured by this passage The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors, declares the Lord. I will put my law on their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. I've talked about this before. It comes up a lot because it's really the only passage that talks about new covenant and how it's different from the old, and it's a critical passage. And what it's saying, that difference is that people, we don't have to like tell each other to know God's ways anymore, and that's a remarkable prophecy because old covenant, it was all about a rabbi or a priest studying the Bible and finding out about God's ways and telling people, Hey, here's God's ways. Obey God's laws. Do this, do that. And this is saying, no, that's not going to be the case anymore. That's a remarkable declaration. And this prophecy was fulfilled with the birth of the church described in Acts Acts 2. In the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. And Peter declares that has happened here. And that is what church is for. Spirit of God on all people everywhere. That's the basis of faith now. And so it's now all about turning to God's spirit and seeing what God does. That is salvation by faith. And this is why Christian faith is not just a sect of Judaism. It's a different thing altogether. And that's because of this. But the problem is vast majority of people still think of Christian faith in old covenant terms. This picture comes up a lot in our church. It's this, this bounded set mentality. People think Christian faith is all about believing the right things and behaving the right way. So it's all about knowing that boundary correctly and telling each other to stay inside. Telling each other, hey, this is God's way. This is the boundary. Stay inside. Now, that's what Christian faith is perceived as. But isn't that exactly how the Old Covenant worked? That's all Old Covenant. That's salvation by works, if we think of it this way. 
Faith means trust in God. So that's why we say there is a better picture to capture the new covenant mentality and that we call that center set where the Spirit of God is poured out on all people and we're trying to turn our arrow towards God. Spirit of God is poured out everywhere. Caroline preached about that last week. And so it's about trying to recognize that Spirit of God and seeing Him at work, salvation by faith. God changes our trajectory like the countless stories we share here. That's salvation by faith. So I just recapped last two-week sermon. So this was Cliff Notes' version of last two-week sermon. If you missed it, I really recommend you listen to it. Our sermons are on our website, iTunes, app, it's everywhere. So go ahead and listen to that. It was a good one-two punch about this topic. And what I want to talk about today, really, is whenever we talk about this center set, new covenant faith, the biggest question and pushback that comes up is, what about sin? You know? Because Senna said, it feels like slippery slope. Well, if we say, like, Spirit of God is everywhere, you know, what about having standards? What about having commitments? It's a lot easier for a human mind to grasp the concept of a box, a bounded set, you know, a box, a circle. It's simple. It's in or out. It's good or bad. There are standards and commitments that define this boundary. And that's easy to grasp. And it's comforting, especially in church settings, to have clear boundaries that tell us right from wrong. So when you come here and listen to someone like me, you you have this expectation that someone like me will tell you what's right, what's wrong, do this, do that, you know, in or out. It's easy. It's, It's clear. We want to hear things like stealing is wrong, lying is wrong, betraying people is wrong, sleeping around is wrong when you're married. And of course, I would agree with all that. Who would not agree with stuff like that? But if we get rid of this box and start talking about Santa said, that can feel really threatening and confusing because how do you handle sin? How How do you tell people this behavior is wrong? and say this is not good because we see so much bad behavior out there, right? A box is very useful. Hey, here are standards. You are outside the box. You're doing wrong. Very clear. You get rid of that and we go to something like Santa said where the Spirit of God is poured out on all people everywhere. I mean, that just feels confusing. You know, how do you like, there's no clear lines here. I mean, is there any meaning to commitments? Is there any meaning anymore to call someone a Christian anymore if spirit is poured out everywhere? I I mean, so people have asked, why be a Christian if if it's all like this? If, you know, it doesn't matter, there's no line in or out. Why be a Christian if spirit of God is poured out everywhere? Why label and define anything or anyone as anything? Because labels can box people in, right? Labels would define you, box people in. Isn't that a bounded set thing to do? You know? 
And people have asked, why does this church have river partners? We do. We have river partners. You know, if people have been coming here for a while and you really like this church, you want to become a member of this church, we have a, a path for that. We have a, a, a class, River 201. We explain what the church is all about. And we ask you to make commitments like contribute regularly, volunteer, participate, show up, be part of this church because that is what being a member of the church means. But people have wondered, well, isn't like River Partner, you know, a bounded set thing to do? Right? I mean, it's like, right? You're in or you're out. You're a river partner or you're not. If you make these commitments and and you do them, you're a river partner. If you don't do them, you're not a river partner. Isn't that that such a bounded set thing to do? And you talk about center set, you talk about new covenant faith. And then you have things like river partner. I mean, what is this? So people get confused, right? That's what I want to talk about today. Sounds good? This is a good topic, isn't it? Let's talk about it. It's a good question. The first thing I like to point out is that this church, we are in good company. Really good company. Because the exact same kind of questions and objections were raised against Jesus and St. Paul. The exact same kind of questions. See, Paul had to defend himself from people, conservatives in the church, who were still operating in old covenant terms. There were Christian Pharisees in the church, there were Bible focused old covenant people you know it was just just starting so people were still confused and 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 they accused paul of going down the slippery slope they accused paul of saying basically anything goes you know because he said we are not required to follow the bible's rules anymore that's old covenant he said we don't get saved or even become better christians by following god's laws (laughs) He said, he said, we are saved by faith, by knowing Jesus personally, by interacting with the Holy Spirit, and that created confusion. The Bible Christians hated him. So Paul had to defend himself and say things like, shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? Some slanderously claim that we say, let us do evil that good may result. Their condemnation is just. So this is just a few of the things he had to say to defend himself. So you get what he's trying to say. He's saying that people are slanderously, you know, saying that I am saying anything goes. That I am saying we can just sin. That I am saying we should just do evil. You know, that it doesn't really matter because it's all under grace. It's all under God's, you know, it's faith. And he says, their condemnation is just. They will be condemned by God, he says. Wow, strong words. Now, have you ever thought about this? That the Bible churches today would never have to defend themselves like this? Because they are always pounding the Bible on like, this is right, this is wrong, you have to do godly ways. They would never have to like defend themselves saying, hey, we are misunderstood. We are not saying anything goes. 
Nobody would misunderstand them as saying anything goes, you're on the slippery slope. But Paul and Jesus had to defend themselves. So first, we are in good company. We are on the same side as Jesus and St. Paul when it comes to this topic. So I am glad for that. We are on the right side on this. And in response to these criticisms, Paul goes on to say that sin results in death. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. And when you turn to God, you get life. The result is eternal life. What is interesting about this is that he does not say sin makes you fall outside the box. Sin makes you bad people. No, he says you don't get good results. (laughs) You're going to get death. You're not going to get the stuff you hope for in life. It's not going to be good. You're not going to like it. And I want to draw your attention to that because that is a very, very important difference in focus. This is, in my mind, the most important key difference between center set mindset and bounded set mindset. Because Senna set focuses on the goals, right? If you look at the center set, center set focuses on the goal because you're looking at the center. And bounded set focuses on the boundaries because you're worried about how we're, you know, falling off and going outside the boundaries, right? So it's what you're looking at. There's a tremendous difference that comes from this difference in focus. So let's take marriage, for example. A lot of you are married, right? How many of you are married? Yeah! Oh my gosh, this is like... Majority married people here. Alright? So, if you approach marriage from the bounded set mentality, the focus becomes, what are the boundaries? You know, what, what are the requirements of being a good husband, a good wife. You focus on those boundaries. You know, what are they? Well, don't cheat around. If you're married, you made a commitment, you shouldn't be sleeping around, right? You should bring home the paycheck, right? When you get a paycheck, you shouldn't just like, go to a, a casino and just blow it all. That, that will cause some issues in a marriage, right? That, that's a requirement, right? You should... Help out around the house. Uh, if your husband especially, you should help. You should help raise the kids. You should help out around the house. It wasn't like that 50 years ago. You know, the requirements kind of change over time. <laughs> but uh, whatever, whatever the boundary is, imagine if I'm focused on the boundaries, right? So my goal is to stay married. So I want to be a good husband. So I don't cheat. I help out. I'm well in the box. I can start to coast. Right? I can tell my wife, you know what? I took out the trash twice this last week. What more do you want? Come on, I'm in the box. I'm in here. I'm well, I'm in the fat middle of the box. Right? I don't sleep around. What more do you want? I'm in the box. I would get worried about marriages that operate like that, right? Where do you think a marriage like that will go? 
You know what I mean? I think you, they will need like marriage counseling. You do that. That's not going to go well. That's a problem. Because, you see, you should not get married with the goal of staying married. You know what I'm saying? You get married and you make the goal, my goal is to stay married and stay inside this box. That's stupid. Right? People, you should get married for like lifelong love. You know? There is a purpose to marriage that goes beyond just staying married. I, I mean, you should like hope for like a good positive shaping of your soul, lifelong companionship, love. You know, there are all kinds of things, right? Life-giving marriage has this intrinsic center, a goal that you get married for. And you lose sight of that and you start like thinking about how do I get, how do I, that just doesn't work. So if you approach marriage from the center set mentality, you know, where where the center, the goal, the focus is, look, you know, I got married for these goals, not to just stay married. Then your focus is now away from the boundaries to the center, to the goals. And you just have to keep working at it. You can never ever coast. If you have your focus on the center, then you cannot ever coast because you just have to keep working at getting at the stuff you wanted to get at from being married. As opposed to coasting because you are like, I'm doing pretty good, I'm measuring up. You see the difference? Right? It's a huge difference what you are focused on. It's a lot bigger difference than you might think. Are you focused on your goals or the boundaries? That's a critical question. Of course you try to keep the basic commitments like not cheating. But if you focus on that, ah, that's not going to go to good places. And being a Christian has the same dynamic. Folks, many of you are Christians. You should not make the goal of your Christian faith Staying a Christian. You should not make the focus of your faith, I just want to be a good Christian and stay a good Christian. But when I look around, I feel like that's what most people do when they look at faith. Most Christians, their goal is, I want to stay a good Christian. Tell me what are the requirements. Tell me what are the boundaries. I just want to be I want to stay in. I I don't want to stray off the box. I want to go to heaven. I don't want to go to hell. You know, tell me what it takes to be a good Christian. And that becomes the goal for many people. And I say that's stupid. There's a purpose to being a Christian that goes beyond staying a good Christian. There's a reason for being a Christian. It's for connecting with God. It's for... A life in all its fullness. It's for promises that God has made. If you turn to me, all this great stuff will happen. Your life will all of a sudden have purpose that goes beyond things that goes up and down in life. You will have strength. You will have guidance. Your life will just expand. Heaven will start to come into your life. And those are the reasons why you become... Those are great things that every human being wants in their life. And so we should never coast. 
We should always keep working at it. But in boundless that old covenant faith, it always results in coasting. It always does. Because in the boundless set, old covenant faith, the closer you are to God, easier it becomes to just coast. Let's say you are in the fat middle of that box, you know? In today's terms, you're straight, white, male, married, going to church, you tied, you've been a Christian a long time. Maybe you become a pastor like me even. You know, so those of you who've been at this for a long time, how many of you have been a Christian for more than 10 years? Many of you, so you can relate to all this. I mean, it's become habit, right? It's not that hard to be a Christian, right? Come to church, read the Bible, you pray, you give. How hard is that for you? I mean, it's just like it's part of life. You just do it. It's not that hard. Right? You just do it. It's, it's habit. You're in the fat middle of there, and you just coast. You know, you don't have to. You take out the trash, do the dishes. You don't, you don't sleep around. Maybe when you are like 20 years old, maybe you were tempted. But you're not like 55 years old, 60 years old. You just don't have hormones anymore. <laughs> right? I mean, I'm getting up there, and I just think, you know, things are different. You know what I mean? When you're like 60 years old, it just is not the same. Trust me. It's not that hard to, like, not sleep around, guy. You just don't have any energy. (laughs) I don't know. Nah, I just want to stay home and watch a good movie. You know, I mean, that's not that hard. Right? So you just coast. And that's not what Jesus said about how faith works. Jesus said, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. He talks about things like this all the time. He he talks as if the longer you've been at faith, the harder it gets. More is required of you the longer you've been doing it. It should get harder for you, and that's true in any relational dynamic. That's not true when you have to measure up. That's not true when you have to pass a test. That's your old covenant. You pass a test. You measure up. Then, you know, someone like me, I'm, you know, if 60, you know, one, zero to 100, if 60 is the passing, and I'm at like 95, I'm good. It's going to be a long time before I fail, get a failing mark. That's your old covenant. But in relational dynamic, in new covenant, it's all about personal relationship with the living God. In every relationship, that's not how it works. Like, for example, let's say you just started dating, right? And your date cooks for you. Oh, my God. That's great. If a guy, you know, ladies here, you're single ladies, if a guy goes on... You know, you go on a date a few times, and you like him, and he cooks for you. Ah, you know, right? Ah, wow! You know, that's a wow, right? Correct? A gal or, you know, it goes both ways, you know, woman or, you know, either way. 
Now let's say you've been married for a while. And your spouse cooks. Oh, come on. That's nothing. Right? Right? I mean, to get on wow, to get on wow, you, you, got, you need like, at least you need some candles. You know? I mean, when I, when I need like surprise dessert or, I mean, you have to like, oh, right? Right or wrong? You know, doing the dishes, does that like get a wow? Well, for you, my friend, you got to work on this. <laughs> Santa said, my friend, got to like work, <laughs> you know, right? In every relational dynamic, you cannot coast. Even if the, 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 the higher your score, it gets even harder. Santa said captures that beautifully. If I can see that. If you're far from God, you just started out thinking about God, you never prayed before, and you pray, or you check out a church, right? You turn your arrow. You're moving towards God. God loves that, right? But let's say you're very close to God. You've been at it a long time, okay? So here's the center, and now you're close to God. And you're coming to church once in a while. That takes you away from God. The same angle. From far away here, they're like going like this and they move like this, they're moving closer. The same angle, if you're closer, moves you away from God. You see that? So someone like me, it's not enough to just come to church. It's my job to come to church. <laughs> That's not going to cut it. Right? I gotta, it's more, more is demanded of me to get there. Whereas in Boundy said, it's impossible to capture that dynamic. The more you've been doing it, the easier it gets. It's the opposite setting. It's a wrong mindset. So, getting married, being a Christian, you know, that's not the end of the journey. Like some people may feel like, I'm married now, I'm at the end of the journey, I made it, all I have to think about is not falling off this box. That will not work. Same thing with Christian. You know? I understand the appeal of that kind of thinking. You know, there's a lot of appeal to that. To just say, you know, I just want to measure up. But that's not new covenant faith. Becoming a Christian is just the beginning. Getting married is just the beginning. Now you know where you are at. So now you need to keep turning your arrow to the center so that you can get what you hope to get out of marriage or faith. That's what you signed up for. So new covenant does not mean anything goes. It's the opposite. Center set doesn't mean we do away with definitions like being a Christian or being a river partner because to turn your arrow towards the center, you have to know where you are at. You know, you need definitions and clarifications of your position and where you're at. You need even more clarity so that you will know what turning the arrow even means. So, for example, a married person who dates multiple women, that's a problem. That's sin. That's destructive. It will result in death. Whereas a single person 
As long as it's not simultaneously dating, I would encourage you to date. Now, this is your pastor, okay? So go ahead and date. You know, go and date a lot of people. You know, that's fine. Right? That's good for you, in fact. So it all depends, right? Dating is not sin or not sin. It depends on your context. If you're married, that's a problem. If you're not married, that's a good thing. So you have to know where you are at to even know what turning the arrow means towards life and towards God. And so we want to clarify and define our positions. We want to define your commitments. That's helpful. All this is to say the difference between bounded set and center set is in the use of clarifying and defining. It's not that center set doesn't clarify and define. It does, but it's just the difference is how do you use it and what are you looking at? Are you looking at the goal, the center? Are you looking at the boundaries? For example, AA groups. I love AA groups. Alcoholics Anonymous, they're wonderful. And they require all members to say, Hi, I'm so-and-so, and I'm an alcoholic. Whenever they meet, before you can say a single thing, you have to say, I'm so-and-so, and I'm an alcoholic. It's a very clarifying and defining statement of who they are. But it's not bound to set. Do you see? Because that statement is not meant to draw the box. And say who's in, who's out. In fact, it's exactly the opposite. That statement blurs the boundaries. Because you have to say I'm an alcoholic whether you fell off the wagon last night and got roaring drunk or you've been sober for 30 years. It doesn't matter. They don't care if you fell off the wagon or not. You have to say I'm an alcoholic. That blurs the boundary, actually. I mean, shouldn't it matter what they have done? No, it doesn't. It it actually makes them all put, put put all of them at the same playing field. It's actually a statement of acceptance, a statement of grace, putting all of us in the same position. And, and, And it's meant to draw your attention to the center, to the goal, rather than draw your attention to the boundaries of are you an alcoholic or not. When you say everyone's an alcoholic, when you say everyone's a sinner, that blurs the boundary. It doesn't define... Does that... Right? It's... It's sinners said they are so good as sinners said they, they, they have higher power you know, in the center. They require every single person to believe in higher power. That's God, practically speaking, okay? And and, and you have to believe in the higher power who's ready to help you, and you have to do it in community. Those are two things that are essential to AA. And I believe this is why AA has been so wildly successful for so many years. They do church better than church does. The church is largely stuck on old covenant. Bound is set. That's what they're all stuck on. But AA, they have moved on to New Covenant. God loves that. And there's remarkable story after story after story of life change that comes from that program. And so, 
Why not do that? As a church, church was supposed to do this. So that's why we talk about this. Anyway, being a Christian, it has meaning. It means you have now bought into the new covenant faith, this way of thinking. Positions you so you know how to point your arrow. Being a river partner has meaning. It means you're committed to certain commitments so that you know how to turn your arrow and keep getting what you're hoping for. So what are some practical implications of all this? First, use the Bible to turn your arrow to experience God. That's the center. Don't use the Bible to focus on the boundaries of in and out. That will pull you right into the old covenant boundaries and mentality. It's so easy. So many people use the Bible to try to think about what are the boundaries. Where do you fall off? But as I talked about and preached so much today, <laughs> eh, that will not be good. Don't look at that. The Bible is meant to connect you to God. That's the purpose for its existence. It's not an end in itself. Don't use it like some kind of weapon. And hurt people. Categorize people. Yes, we talk about sin in New Covenant context. Anything that turns your arrow away from God is sin. You know? But sin in New Covenant faith is always personal and contextual and positional. You have to know where each person is. They are not to be applied universally or you know, just indiscriminately. You have to know each person's story. You know, what is sinful one person is not sinful another person. You know, getting drunk, out of control, will result in death. It's sin. You know, an alcoholic getting like drunk and getting out of control, that's sin. But Jesus also drank so often. Now he was accused of being a glutton and a drunkard. And he admits it. He says, you know, I'm accused of being a glutton and a drunkard. I came to you and you called me a glutton and a drunkard because I eat and drink a lot. Was Jesus sinning when he drank? No. Because he didn't get drunk. He didn't go out of control. It's two different things. It depends on context, right? Depends on the person. So all these people like ask, you know, is this a sin? Does your church consider homosexuality a sin? That is not a question we can answer. Not in New Covenant. You know, I have to know the person really well. And I have to figure out what will bring that person closer to God as opposed to away from God. All these churches calling homosexual sin, they are driving people away from God. That's sinful. You know? That's moving error away from God. That's horrible. The condemnation will come from God. Because that's old covenant. You don't want to do that. You want to get to know the person. You have to love them. And you have to know the, the context and exactly where they are at. And you have to figure out what will move out the arrow towards God. What will bring life? What will bring death? It's a lot harder, isn't it? I mean, it makes pastoring harder. But that's the only way I can go. Because to go do anything otherwise, death and damnation lie that way. I cannot preach that to you. 
I can, it's very popular. We lost people, you know, because of this. But we are a new covenant church. We have our convictions. All homosexual people are welcome here. They can participate at any level. It's not because we are saying, you know, this is sin or not. We are not operating in that era, you know, in that realm at all. Do you see the difference? We want to know you. We want to understand you. And we want to like, help you move towards God and life. That's what we are focused on. We're not focused on the boundaries. So it's a question of new covenant faith and old covenant faith. Not a question of this, this or that. Do, do you see? So we can never move away from that stance. So anyway, I hope you are into this. As I am. Because the good news is, God's Spirit really is poured out everywhere. He is faithful to His promises. He keeps speaking to everyone. And it's incredibly good. You know? And people are moving towards God and life is changing. It's good stuff's happening. Let's get in on that. Yeah. Amen. So put your focus on learning to recognize the work of Jesus everywhere. Everywhere. Christian, secular, non-Christian, this or that, it doesn't matter. God is at work everywhere. We are all sinners. You know? And we are all needing to turn our arrow towards God. And life will come. It's great. So, you know, go to River 101. If you've been coming recently, it is new to you, go to River 101. Find out, you know, how to get involved because we have to do this in community. You know? Take classes. You know, I talked about marriage a lot. There's a fantastic marriage class coming up. Seven principles that make marriage work. It's great. Take classes like that. Put some effort in. Because the more you've been at it, the more you should do, right? Keep turning your arrow. There is life and love and grace and fruits of the Holy Spirit that every human heart wants as to be had for turning your arrow towards God. Read books we recommend. There are a lot of resources that can help you use the fruits of the Spirit to keep moving your arrow. Anyway, I've run out of time five minutes ago, so (laughs) I've fallen off the box. All this is to say further up and further in. You know, keep connecting to God, whoever you are. Keep moving the arrow. You will find life. That is the gospel. That is why we are not Judaism. We are Christian faith. We are new covenant faith. Keep moving forward and we'll find life in all its fullness. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us. God, I... Yeah, go ahead. Come on. That's good. <laughs> It's part of my problem. I'm insecure. So, I need God's help to be saved from this. But God, uh, thank you that your spirit is poured out everywhere. on everyone, that this is the new covenant faith. We are no longer under old covenant faith. We don't have to measure up. Jesus, you have done it all on the cross when it comes to measuring up. So thank you for that. That We don't have to worry about that. It's all about connecting to your spirit, experiencing your salvation. Thank you, God. Help us to turn our arrow towards you every day so that we'll receive more and more life from you. Help us to focus on the goals of faith rather than the boundaries of faith. Help us to be new covenant Christians. 
And we trust that even this week, your spirit will do powerful work in our lives to put us towards life and love and grace and hope. Thank you for this, Jesus. Amen.